You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to another episode of the World's Team on Blogging the Boys Network in partnership on SB Nation. I am your host, Paul Stewart, and today I am joined by a very special guest. You and Norm from the Dallas Cowboys pre-game and post-game shows. He also presents Talking Cowboys and the Draft Show, which can be found on DallasCowboys.com. He's a good friend of the UK Cowboys fans. It's no other than the legend himself, Mr. Cal Yeomans. How are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm cold. I'm I'm feeling rather cold, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the the weather's not too friendly here back here in Scotland, and yeah, I'm just uh, not looking forward to staying up late for this Super Bowl. I will say that. Uh, so it's going to be like a one a.m. kickoff here. So it's not going to be fun. Yeah, you're going to have to get some sleep in, get get ready to roll, and then kind of go from there. And we can. We, you got to get like the, the buffalo wings and everything set up beforehand so that way you just wake up and you're ready to rock. Well, I'm actually going to be out in the city center for the game. I'm going, uh. with, a, yeah, I'm going, to, going with a couple of friends. We're going out for it and uh, just mix it up. There's going to be a whole collaboration of different fans of different teams and stuff like that. It's a wee bar called Maggie's. It's like a country rodeo bar in Glasgow. It's re- really, really cool. They just reopened up just recently, and uh, and they're doing a whole Super Bowl party type of thing. Uh, so we're all going to go there, and but I'm going to take the car with me because try to get home at early hours in the morning. Then I've got my actual work at a nine o'clock in the morning, so I'm going to be absolutely zoned out. So no rest for the wicked, I say. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. I mean. That's the other thing about it, too, is you're going to have to represent the Cowboys with all these different NFL fans. You're going to have to, uh, to, to keep yeah. your, your ground as you're going through there. Oh, listen, I, I can take all the heat. I'm saying that I, I'll, I'll need to give you a wee, a wee story here. So uh, for the last NFL Scotland meetup, right, so there was we all went to Top Golf. So there was pretty much all 32 teams there. There was a whole panel of like podcasters from up and down uk uh, doing like a, a show and at the end of it you do top golf and that but there was competitions during the show and it's basically true or false and everyone would raise their hand up and think it's true then you stay on to the next question i ended up winning that so it's like 200 like 200 pounds that's like 250 dollars worth of top golf wow and, and when i went up to go and pick up my prize the amount of booze and hisses i got from everyone else <laughs> particularly from the eagles fans i was like come on give me it more come on i want it all so it, it was quite funny so i think the uh, most surprising part of that story is that there are even eagles fans outside of philadelphia i, I think that's the biggest be- shock of the whole thing You'd be very surprised, like, 
and especially when it comes to the London games in particular, like you are going to see all walks of life in terms of fans in the NFL in London. Like there's Browns fans, which is like, like for them being such a blue collar type of city, um, anything outside of that just seems a wee bit unheard of. And we're seeing Browns fans and seeing all these other teams getting very supportive. And there's a lot of good fan groups in the UK for these teams, but I wouldn't say it's anything in compared to like so the UK Cowboys fans. Like, because yeah. we've got like, there's over a thousand members in that. But, wow. But in speaking which, and speaking about the Dallas Cowboys and whatever and that, it has been quite an eventful week. Not only just as the Super Bowl, but we actually have our new defensive coordinator in the books, Mr. Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I, I think with with the whole way that this whole defensive coordinator search has gone down, Mike Zimmer, it, it's funny, he was really the first name, he was the first interview, he was the first uh, link to Mike McCarthy, and I think from that point forward, you kind of saw him as the favorite. Now, we haven't had an official naming yet. We haven't had a statement from the, the PR department. We haven't yep. had a statement from, from Mike McCarthy. But we did have the report from Tom Pelissero on Friday. And we yep. also had the – or excuse me, on Thursday. And then we also had Jerry Jones talking about how he expected to have Mike Zimmer hired uh, and have an agreement what's moving forward. So I think the expectation is that he is going to be your coordinator and, and – that, that's a good fit for this team and where they are right now. I think with uh, with the way that Zimmer brings in expertise and his link to Mike McCarthy, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it ultimately I, is going to be why they make that decision. I, I totally agree with you. Like, it, it took me a wee while back. I was looking back at the old previous video clips when he was on Hard Knocks with the Cincinnati Bengals yeah. and how he was talking to his players on the sideline. Like there was that bit of attitude in your face to like really step up. And there's the other side of him, like of players that might be struggling. He helps elevate them up. Like there was the video clip of him and Devon still in his office type of thing. All those wee small things make a hell of a difference, but the thing that really catches my eye the most is his track record as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. He plays, plays a lot of man coverage. He's a strong record against the run and a very strong record against the Shanahan tree style of offenses. And that, to me, is a big checklist for me because that seems to be a big problem that we've had in the, under Dan, uh, Dan Quinn recently. So I think... All that concerning, it makes perfect sense. And from the the players type type of point of view, he loves his big players. He loves the big defensive tackles. He loves his big linebackers. So, and that's yeah. one thing that we don't have right now. So, that could be something that could uh, project onto how we make our decision making going into this year's draft. Yeah, you talk about one of the needs for this team, regardless of whoever the coordinator would have ended up being, and that size. You needed to get bigger defensively you need to get bigger on the inside of your defensive line you needed yep. bigger linebackers you needed uh of course team speed was always a thought process in the early dan quinn era i mean when he came in in 2021 one of the things he wanted to upgrade was team speed on the defensive side and he did that he helped upgrade team speed now you got to upgrade the physicality as well and try and not give up on that speed, which is easier said than done. I mean, usually it's one or the other. Having both is is a scary thing, and I, I think that's what the difference is between being an elite team and an elite defense 
versus a really good one. And this team's been elite at times, but yep. whenever a team has the ability to run the football just by saying we're going to run the football, that's when you, you kind of shy away from the elite category. And that's, yeah. that's what happened against this defense. If a team was considerably uh, committed to running the football, then they usually had success, and they were usually able uh, to make things happen. Now, is this an elite pass rush? Yes. Is this an elite secondary? Absolutely. You've got guys like Trayvon Diggs and De'Ron Bland winning all pro awards and leading the NFL in interceptions. That is that is an elite level secondary. But the depth probably isn't there. Your linebackers aren't there. Your defensive tackles aren't there. And if you would argue with me about what – even in his most recent stop in Minnesota, what was the best part of his Vikings defenses? It was the interior of the defensive line, and it was his linebackers. So yeah. I, I feel really good about if he ends up being officially named on Monday or Tuesday or whenever that, that announcement comes down. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to be the best fit for the job regardless. And you also got to play in the Mike McCarthy factor of it too, right? I mean – He's going into this 2024 20, season having the overarching, okay, this is a one-year deal. Basically, it's an ultimatum. I, I was trying to find a better word for it, but that's basically yeah. what it is. It's you win or you don't, and you're gone. You either make it to an NFC title game, you make it to a Super Bowl, or we're going to move on because that's, that's what we're doing as an organization. But – you go into this prove it year with Mike McCarthy. He doesn't want an unknown in your defense, which has been the strength of your team the last couple of years. You don't want an unknown there. You want to get a guy who has skins on the wall, who you know what you're going to get. And and that's exactly what Mike Zimmer brings to the table. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And just kind of goes back when you were mentioning like so the type of players and stuff like that, like, like depth and stuff like that. This is where Zimmer can come along and talk to these players that are maybe on the fringes to help try and elevate these guys up. He did it back when he was at Cincinnati. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's, he's done it way back with the Minnesota Vikings, even as a head coach. So, But when he's actually on the sideline, he is ruthless. And that's something that we have. I, I, I think we just need like get away from the, the bravado, so to speak. Like We need a coach to actually just say it as it is and just tell players to like like forget about the last play get on with the next one type yeah. of thing. So I think, I, f I mean, if Simmer is fully confirmed and or that or uh, like you say, or Monday or Tuesday, whatever, I I'll be really happy with that. Like I can understand maybe some frustrations from Cowboys Nation that why didn't we go for Riviera? Why didn't we go for Frabo? I think to me, Simmer kind of makes sense because obviously he's got history. He was, he was a defensive coordinator with Dallas way before from the uh, 96 to 2004, but before that, he was a defensive backs coach. In fact, I think he was the. I think he's now actually the one of the last coaches that's actually won a Super Bowl with Dallas. If I'm correct, yeah. mistaken. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was the defensive backs coach when they last won it. So, I mean, he spent 13 seasons with Dallas. I mean, he's been around. Yeah this organization he knows how things are run and yeah uh, it's a completely different setup than what he had previously he's not at valley ranch anymore he's at the star and he's not under bill parcells and barry switzer and and uh dave campo anymore he's under yep. mike mccarthy so 
I, I think, yeah, he's got a familiarity there that's going to benefit him moving forward. And like you just kind of mentioned, like we've got all pro players, like you've got Parsons, we've got Deggs, and we've got stuff like that, and we have that ability that this could be like a proper elite team. Like for Simmer to walk into the door and have this type of arsenal right in front of him, I'm very excited to see how that could transpire under what scheme he provides. Like, because I, I believe his main scheme, he does run like a 4 3, but he did run a 3 4 under mm-hmm. Parcells. If I'm mistaken, if I'm yeah, correctly. they made the switch whenever Parcells came in. Yeah, yeah. So and but but it, it mainly does mind coverage as well. Is that correct? Yeah, for the most part, and that's what this team did last year. Well, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. they ran yeah. man coverage more uh, than most teams in the NFL did, and then they made the switch in the wild card round for some reason. Went to zone. <laughs> Maybe it was a uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the less we talk about that game, the better. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, but I, I think there was a reason behind it. I think it was Stephon yeah. Gilmore was hurt. And you wanted to try and cover that up. You wanted to try and, and protect Gilmore. And uh, it, yeah, it was rough. But yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot of man. You're going to see a lot of that same scheme. But I mean, most teams nowadays, anyways, you got to run multiple. You, you can't just one run one, four, three, three, four look. Yeah. This team, of course, is a 4-3 base, but I, I think it's a multiple defense. You're going to drop yeah. guys out of coverage. You're going to. You're going to have three down linemen at times. Like, it's going to happen back and forth, which I think is a, a good thing with Zimmer is, is he do, has had a, a little bit of time to think about it. He, he was let go midway through that 2021 season, so now you've got a chance to to kind of sit and watch for a couple of seasons. He was a, a an analyst with Jackson State at the collegiate level, just kind of part-time there, and... He's gotten a chance to, to self-search as well and self-scout himself. And hopefully that was enough time to really get him back into the fold. I mean, look at Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, uh, he had semi-success. I mean, he got the Atlanta Falcons to a Super Bowl, which yeah. I think you can say that as a as a monumental triumph uh, as a head coach. But, of course, whenever that divorce happened in, in Atlanta, he took a little bit of time off, landed with Dallas, and then all of a sudden Dallas – is one of the better defenses in the NFL. Same thing with Zimmer. Zimmer's been around the block, including Dallas, during a, a, a really a charge up the ladder. He got the head coaching job in Minnesota, got to an NFC championship game, was really a, a solid coach in Minnesota. And whenever the divorce happened in 2021, now he's gotten the chance to sit back and watch a little bit. So there's a lot of good things with Zimmer. Uh, I, I really do like the hire. I said on Talking yeah. Cowboys on our podcast the other day that if Zimmer was the hire, I would give it an A-. And the only other A that I would have given was Mike Vrabel, and, and I think he yeah. would have just been an A. So it would have been an A versus what the A- is with Zimmer. So uh, it's a good hire, and I, I think Cowboys fans are probably going to be uh, skeptical as they should yeah. at first because of – how the season ended because Dan Quinn is leaving and just how much success Dan Quinn had. But I think out of the, the, the candidates that you had on the table and what you had available, this is uh this is a good hire for the Cowboys. I think it's the most logical choice. Like I, I can see, I can understand from, from Cowboys nation's perspective, like why didn't we get like a younger coach, someone that's mm-hmm. not part of the Jerry 
tree essentially like he's he's been a he's part of Stephen and jerry's like relationship like all those years ago why are we bringing someone that's under that same cycle i'm like well if if anything that's actually kind of a good thing because he knows what's is expected when coming to dallas if you were to bring like a frabble in and that like there's a, i would say there was more of a learning process if you were to bring like a him on board or rivera or whoever that may be but with Zimmer, like he knows what's expected of him. He can actually pretty much get his hands down and talk with McCarthy. Like, okay, this is what we need, this, this, and this. I know what Jerry would like to do type of thing, whatever. So I think that could be an advantage as well. And, and like I kind of mentioned in terms of his play calling style, like stopping the run good against the Shanahan tree offense, which again, like I said, that's a big checklist for me because uh-huh. anytime we play like San Francisco or whoever that has that kind of Shanahan tree style offense, it just leaves me in tatters. So it does. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is he's had a lot of practice against it too. I mean, he had yeah. a lot of practice against LaFleur in, in Green Bay. Uh, of course, he had a lot of practice against Mike McCarthy too, but McCarthy wants a he wants a head coach for the defense he wants somebody that's going to lead that unit and lead that side of the football uh where he can kind of focus on the play calling he can focus on offense and then looks to the opposite side and says all right head coach of the defense mike zimmer what do we got on that side of the ball and and, then that's what you get with him so it, it it all makes sense and i think you you mentioned some of the other candidates and Vrabel was really never on the table. Yep. Ron Rivera was never, I mean, he was in the conversation, but if you would have said one or the other, I think Zimmer was always the favorite in that category. Yeah. And then if you wanted to go with a younger guy, you were probably going to go with a younger guy in house. You were going to go with Al Harris or you were going to go with, with that and dirty and, and Al never really got an interview and, and dirty, of course, got an interview and and I'm sure did a phenomenal job. I, I think he's going to be great as the defensive coordinator in Seattle. Uh, but there's yeah. there's a lot of those in-house assistants that you probably would have looked at, maybe Joe Witt Jr. too, but now he's off to Washington. So it, it, it hamstrings you a little bit whenever you have a, a staff disintegrate the way that it did, uh, but then you've got at least a guy who can come in and kind of right the ship, and that's Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned Aiden Dudley. Like for me, he holds a special place to my heart because obviously he's from the UK. But yeah, I've, I've saw him coach when he was back at the London Warriors all those years ago. So I got to see him firsthand way before he got to the NFL. And I think we we've kind of missed something special with him. Like I think he did an exceptional job with our defensive line. He brings something different to the table. But I can understand. Uh, like if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But I can only wish him all the best in Seattle. But I feel like now that we're now basically likely going to be in the hunt for a new defensive line coach, the first name that's kind of popped in my head is who's the closest person that relates to Mike Zimmer, and that's the D line coach from the Green, uh, New York Giants. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Andre Patterson. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that because he spent some time with with Zimmer throughout his career, and he's kind of been in that in and out of that building. I uh, going back to Dirty, I, I think, like you said, he's he's kind of one of the 
he's an under the radar character for this team yeah. because of the the talking heads above him, the, the the coordinators and the head coach, and of course the the front office. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot more attention on those guys. Uh, but it, in terms of the positional coaches that deserve the most credit, Al Harris is up there. Yeah, uh, Linda Wells is up there. And then, I mean, Adam Dirty might top the list. And, and the fact that he got hired as the, the the defensive coordinator in Seattle, one, it excites me because I, I really do think he's a phenomenal human being. He's a great coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's overcome a ton of obstacles coming from a background that a lot of people don't don't come from. They really don't. It, it, not, in, not in this business, not in this league. You don't come from the the European background and always have success. I mean, he's had to fight through that stigma all the way through, and and I think he's done a fantastic job of doing so. He's done it with with effort. He's done it with grace, and he was one of my favorite coaches to talk to during during my time with the team and during his time with the team. And uh, I can't wait to see him down the line and give him a big high five and a hug and say, "Man, congratulations! Keep killing yeah. it." I I hope he has success in Seattle. Uh, except for whenever he plays the Cowboys, of, of course. But yeah, whenever, I, so I not against us. <laughs> yeah, I hope the Cowboys put up forty-five on him. But I, I, I just think there's there's a lot to love with Adam Dirty, and and I wish he probably would have been higher on the list. I think for the Cowboys, and and maybe having his name picked up by Seattle, like you said, maybe you missed something there and said, man, maybe he should have been a bigger candidate, or or. Here's the yeah. thing. Maybe he was behind closed doors and we just didn't know about it. We, like we just, yeah. we weren't, we've heard, we've heard all the other names and yeah, dirty got an interview, but that was just kind of an afterthought. Maybe that wasn't what it was. Maybe he was very much so high on their list and, and in consideration. And then when Seattle makes the hire, then Mike Zimmer is, is right there to, to take over. So uh, it, it is a situation that I think you're gonna you're gonna see early on, especially during training camp. He was huge in terms of one on ones. He was oh, one of the yeah. last guys on the field. I mean, you're gonna miss both the the hands on approach from from Dan Quinn, from Adam Dirty, from yeah. uh, Joe Witt Jr. Those guys were about as hands on as it gets at the professional level. Yeah, and it's so it's so funny that you mentioned about the hands on approach, like. Wait, looks like Aiden Dirty in particular. He used the the man response that gave FEO Bada an NFL career. Sure, like like because like, even when you look back before Obada uh, signed that development contract with Dallas, like yeah, you only played maybe like one year of American football in the UK for the London Warriors. Other than that, he never had any experience whatsoever in that, and that's all credit to Dirty. Dirty yeah. helped him teach them like the basic tools and now he's he's played with Dallas he's he's, he's played with uh, Carolina and played with Washington so he's managed to make a name for himself and he's now become a uh, very popular within the NFL UK um, skysports.com stuff like that so he's, he's very well in the circuit now so everyone knows who he is now so he's he's, he's made a career out of it so and that's all down to Aiden Dirty. Wow that's awesome that really is it's super cool I didn't even know the background there of of him helping him get over to the NFL. And now you've got, now you've got a representation there. I, I feel like there should be a lot of excitement in the UK about what he brings because it is exciting. And, and this is, this is turning into a global sport and you know that as much as anybody being oh, absolutely, and, and, and seeing all those NFL fans. I mean, the fact that Philly fans are outside of Philadelphia shows that it's a, that's a, 
it's a growing sport across. Uh, I, across I don't, want, I don't want to give them too much credit, though, Kyle. I don't want to give them too much credit. Well, I'm just saying that there's no, there's no fans outside of Philadelphia for the Eagles uh, in the U.S. because nobody likes Philadelphia. But the, uh, I, I think there's, man, there's so much expansion happening out there, and I think Dirty is a, a really good representation of it. I mean, he's yeah. he's come in, he has an innate knowledge of the game, he could certainly have success. As a defensive coordinator, now he gets his shot up in Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. So, in other news, we, we do have the NFL honors just happened just recently, and uh-huh. none of the Cowboys managed to achieve any of the awards with that finishing second. But he did get high praise from the one and only Dan Marino, who he spoke to RJ Ocha, uh, who's in Las Vegas right now. Um, so that's that's a really cool thing to get some praise from Dan Marino. Um, also for the offensive player of the year, CD Lamb finished third. It was that finished fifth, and for defensive player of the year, Michael Parsons finished third with Delone Brand finishing fifth. Um, are we kind of surprised of how the, any of the awards kind of worked out in any way? No, I think that was kind of where we we thought they would land. I mean, we were we were talking as a staff going into the week, and I think the only award that we really would have thought. I mean, there were probably two honors that we could have expected from this team. And the first one was uh, was FedEx Player of the Year. Uh, it was like FedEx Air Player of the Year, whatever the, the title ends up being. Like yeah. Dak could have very easily won that, but it was given the Brock Purdy. I mean, that's a deserving award for Brock. Uh, I think Dak would have deserved that award as well. But, uh, it, I mean, that was the only one that I really could see going in favor of the current Cowboys because the only other one that uh, only other honor that we were expecting was Darren Woodson going into the pro football hall of fame. And I know it's, it's such a shame. What more does he have to do to get into the hall of fame? It really, it's starting, it's turning from, um, from <laughs> Jerry jo- it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's turning like from what Jerry Jones to get Jimmy Jones into the ring of honor. That's how bad it's getting right now to get Darren yeah, Woodson. Uh, yeah. To like, a certain extent, I think, yeah, it's it, yeah, and kind of along those same lines. Instead of it being a disappointment and oh, I, that's that's sad. We haven't seen that. Now it's turning into frustration of why is this not happening yet? And, and you're seeing. I mean, this is a phenomenal class. I don't want to take away from the 2024 yeah. class. The the I mean, Julius Peppers, Andre Johnson, uh, Devin Hester. I mean, there are so many really great names that are deserving to go into the pro football hall of fame. And when they announced it the other day, I was uh, really excited to see the, the names that were on there because that's, that's part of the, the group that I grew up watching play the game. And so I, I thought, wow, that's, that's a great class, but it would be even better if Darren Woodson was up there. And, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that's what it's getting to is, is now you've got to right a wrong with Darren Woodson. It's taken so long to get him in there. And so the fact that he's still being left out and he's, he's a finalist almost every year now, it, it's only a matter of time, but you just hope it's at a time where he can still enjoy it. And uh, he can still take that honor and, and have a, uh, have a celebration around it. Yeah. So it almost reminds me of what Drew Pearson had to go through at one point. Because remember, he was that close from getting it. He made a whole live stream about it, and he showed how disappointed he was. Then eventually, he did get in. Yeah. Like for the, but I th- like you said, like he's been a finalist for so many times. It's just a matter of time. 
Like, yeah. like as long as he keeps that positive mindset, like you, you will, you will be in the Hall of Fame. Just we just don't know when, whether it's going to be next year, or the year after. Like, hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. God, you know? God forbid that it, it turns into a Drew Pearson scenario. Oh, I hope not. I it's, hope not. It's a couple decades down the road, and then you got to get in through the senior class and kind of go from there. But yeah, it's getting to the point where you got to let Darren Woodson get in the fold because he. He helped revolutionize the safety position into what it is in the modern day NFL. You can't, I mean, one, can't of, the, that. Yep. one of the criteria of the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is can you tell the story of the game of football without this person? If, the, if you can't, then you got to put him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's, that's part of why you put him in there. You can't yep. tell the story of the safety position without mentioning Darren Woodson. You cannot. It's just not how it goes. So, yeah, I, I think it is a matter of time. I just hope it ra- happens sooner rather than later. And I, I had a I had a pretty good uh, feeling that it was going to happen this year. So the fact that it didn't was, uh, was a vast disappointment. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully fortunes will change for Darren Woodson sooner rather than later. But while I still have you for a short little bit of period of time here, Kyle, so... Now the draft is now going to be a lot of draft talk coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, so you've been doing the draft show along with the GOAT, that is Brian Broaddus, for God knows how long now. But So what is your first thoughts going into this season in terms of what is our biggest positions of need and is there any players that really stand out to you so far, like from the senior bowl or from the regular season? Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple different thoughts going into this year. I mean, the number one thought is the is what I told you earlier you got to get bigger uh both defensively and on the offensive line you gotta you gotta have some beef up front and you you have Tyler or Tyler Biotish and Tyron Smith as both unrestricted free agents uh both those guys hitting the market you have a chance to upgrade your offensive line this year and, and you can do so through the draft yeah yeah I, I, there's one thing I noticed this year is really stacked by offensive linemen this year yeah, the, the so right. the offensive tackle class, the value is going to be there for you. You're going to have a couple plug and play possible starters available at 24. This is a really deep class. I mean, we were talking yeah. with Dane Brugler from the Athletic uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said usually when you have 15 to 16 first round grades, that's that's an average draft. This draft is going to have 22 to 24, maybe 25 first round grades and for a team picking at 24 that's uh that's a great spot to be in because you're going to still have a chance at a first round graded player yeah and not only just that it's it's a reduced salary as well compared to like a first uh, overall pick compared to the 24th pick like so it's really beneficial from that regard but it's so funny that you mentioned like the offensive tackles and stuff like that or offensive line if there's been two players that i've Took a notice through college this year is Graham Barton, offensive line from Duke, and Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon, the center. Those two guys have kind of really like kind of caught my eye a little bit. Yeah, and I think both guys are are really really good. I think both Bart or excuse me, Graham Barton specifically, he has the the inside outside flex. He has some possibility to play center. He can play a guard. He can play tackle. He can play pretty yeah. much anywhere. Uh, and you can fit him in, so that's that's a value. And I think there 
there was some thought, I think, early in the draft process that he could have gone top 15, top 20. Uh, he'll probably go around 25 to, to 30. So yeah. if, if Dallas is there and they, they value what he brings, then, then there's a possibility that he could be your pick. Jackson Powers Johnson is the best center in the draft, and it's not even really close. Uh, yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree with you. The I, guy, is, he's an absolute unit, absolute yeah, monster. He, when he was at Oregon, he was dominant, and, and that was a team that ran the football effectively. He was so physical. He cuts the defense in half. He's what you've been missing since you 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 saw Travis Frederick retire. And so if he's available at 24, and that's a huge if he's available, I think he would be the best fit, the best pick, the best value, and you, you take that and you run with it. The problem is, is the, the Cowboys aren't the only team picking in the first round that needs center help. And there's another team at 21 overall, the Miami Dolphins, that that need a little bit more than what the Cowboys do. So I, I don't see him falling. I think I think Graham Barton will be there. I think he'll be yeah. he'll be available. But Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon, I know he's a hot name with Cowboys Twitter right now, but he's. he's it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Sorry to interrupt, but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Like I believe, is the Eagles before us in terms of the draft? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That would be an absolute nightmare scenario for me because obviously with Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, never retiring, they've just upgraded to get one of the most brute centers just coming out of college this year, and I'm just like, it's like, oh, that, that would be devastating for Cowboys fans. I, I, I reckon. Yeah, we're not going to try and talk that one into existence. If anything, yeah, let's yeah. the AFC. Let's just not let's let's not manifest that one. <laughs> I agree with you. That forget what I just said there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think there's options there. But I, if you're looking at positions of need, offensive line is toward the top of the list, so you can run yeah. the ball effectively. Linebacker is up there because you just need bodies, and then I, I think there's a sneaky need for defensive end. I, I, of course, you can always upgrade defensive tackle if you wanted to upgrade size there. Uh, there's there's a lot you can do. And, of course, this will all change whenever free agency begins in March. I, I think you're going to start seeing some of those holes filled. And this team usually likes to check boxes and at least field what would be a competitive roster through free agency before they even get to the draft. And, and they're going to try and do that again. Maybe they're even more aggressive in free agency this year based off of what the front office has been saying, what Jerry Jones has been alluding to. So whenever the draft comes around, those positions of need may already be filled in some shape, fashion, or form, and you can kind of go from there. Totally. Like, even like for me, even as well, because there's, there's the big question with regards to running back. Wait, is Parlor going to come back? Because like, obviously he was on the franchise tag. Like, are we going to maybe kind of look for an now late round running back mm-hmm. or – Pick one up from free agency. There is talk about, but you did mention linebacker. I'm glad that you mentioned that because there is one player I really like, but it comes with a lot of question marks. Though, as as much as I love this player's style of play, mm-hmm. but it's Peyton Wilson from NC State. Sure, I love his style of play with his wrestling background, the way he tackles. How he can actually move from a uh, from one side of the field to the other to close down the quarterback, move force him out to the uh, sideline, and he gets off blocks so easily and actually makes him and he's an impact player. But the problem is he gets injured a lot. Yeah, and 
and that and that's a big concern to me. So I don't know if this is and not to mention, I believe he's going to be twenty four when the draft comes along. Yeah. So the age thing could play a factor as well. So do you think that it could be worth taking him in a late round if he's available? Yeah, I, I think, and by late round, it would probably be second or third. He's he's a phenomenal player. I mean, the, he was clocked as the, as the fastest speed, the top speed at the Senior Bowl during practices. So if you're a linebacker and you're hitting that top speed, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that shows that you are – you are tracking and you are you are going because there's really no – you have to have some sort of acceleration to get there in a short period of time compared to running routes for a receiver. So I, I think there's a chance there. I think what's going to happen with Wilson is you're going to get to the combine. These teams are going to get their medical staffs and they're going to they're gonna evaluate him more thoroughly through the medical process. Yeah, And he's had double digits to surgeries before he finished his career at NC State, which is scary to people, but he doesn't move like he's had double digits to surgeries. That's the thing. So whenever they get their medical teams together and they start looking at him, he's going to go one way or the other. He's either going to yeah. skyrocket and he's going to be a borderline first round pick. And he's going to be a guy that teams would be willing to take a chance on because their medical team passed him, and and so did the rest of the league, and he's going to be a, a highly valued prospect, or he's his doc, draft stock is going to plummet because these medical staffs are going to take a look at him and say, man, he's just way too banged up coming out of college to to really invest him in, in the future. Will he get picked in the top one hundred? There's a good possibility. He's a top one hundred caliber player, but now you got to turn around and and have him. Uh, elsewhere in order to to or have have these medical staffs look at him elsewhere to really figure out what the confidence level and the trust level is going to be going into his NFL career. It almost reminds me of Damone Clark, if that makes sense. Sure. Because yeah, obviously before he got drafted, it was it the back surgery he had to get? It was neck, yeah. Neck, neck. Yeah, sorry. My, my, my apologies. Um, so it kind of feels like the same way because if the Montclair didn't require that, he could have been easily a second rounder, even potentially a first rounder based on some reports. Yeah, but he was we, he was a top sixty player on my board uh, prior to the injury. Now, even with the injury, and we didn't really know about it until like day two, I think, of the NFL draft. We kind of once we heard it, we kind of knew he was going to slip a little bit. Uh, but yeah, same same sort of deal where he's he's a top one hundred caliber player. But then injury history throws a little bit of a wrench into that. Yeah. Um, so, kind so of just kind of finish off. So, what, have, have you and Broadus and anyone have you done any kind of early mock drafts or anything like that just yet? Or we we haven't done one specifically. Uh, I, I think normally we wait until after the combine to kind of knock a couple of those out and try and like like I said, you want to see what the. Uh, you want to see what free agency brings, and you also want to see what the combine, what you hear at the combine, and you start kind of rolling that direction too. If I had to have an early mock draft, I would say it's an offensive tackle taken. I'd say yeah. it's either Jordan Morgan from from Arizona or Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Those are kind of the two guys, yeah. uh, both offensive tackles that could start for you day one or that could sit behind Tyron Smith day one. And, and that's not a bad thing either because – then you've got a, a first round prospect learning behind a first round prospect, and you you, you bring back 
uh, a Tyron Smith for a, a season, maybe two-year deal, depending on what the numbers look like there, and you have a trusted left tackle, and then when he goes down uh, from an injury standpoint, because it's more of a win, not if, he's going to miss some time with an injury. Yeah. Then then you fill him in with a young rookie who needs those snaps and needs those reps. So I, I think if I had to make a, a pick right now, it would probably be one of those offensive tackles. But, if, again, that could certainly change after the combine and then after the start of free agency too. Brilliant. No, uh, uh, thanks again for uh, coming on, on Kyle. Um, but uh, but what, before we finish off, can you tell everyone where everyone can find you on social media? Yeah, at Kyle underscore Yeomans, Y-O-U-M-A-N-S on Twitter. And then, of course, subscribe to The Draft Show on DallasCowboys.com, talking Cowboys every week throughout the offseason, too. Uh, that's where we'll really give our opinions and tell you the the say it with our chest, and we'll, we'll, we'll give you everything we know on those podcasts. So it should be a whole lot of fun. Great, uh, great to talk with you again. Always love hopping on here and uh, can't wait to do it again soon. Definitely. Well, that just reminds me, I do have one last question before we go off. Uh-oh. What, what's your prediction for the Super Bowl? The Dallas Texans, sorry, Kansas City Chiefs or, <laughs> or, or the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause it reminds me of last year, whenever this was, uh, whenever this game was, was being played and it was the Chiefs and the Eagles, where in, in my head, I was like, man, that team is stacked. And I, the, last year, it was the Eagles I was thinking that about. This year, it's the 49ers I'm thinking it about. And I'm like, yeah, this, this team is stacked. They should win it. But my heart says, I'm not picking the Eagles. I'm not picking the 49ers. So give me the Chiefs to win it. To, I'll say 31-21, just because I'm not going to bet against Pat Mahomes, and I'm certainly not going to pick the 49ers. I am with you on that one. I've kind of got 27-14 for my score for, for Kansas City. But, yeah. But, once again, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on to the show. And But, like I said, be sure to go and check out Kyle on his social media. Go and check out his show, Talking Cowboys, the draft show on DallasCowboys.com. And there we go, folks. That's another episode of the World's Team in the Bag. Be sure to go and check out bloggingtheboys.com for news, podcasts, and so much more. And also, Meg will be back on the show next week, so be sure to come back and check out that. So, without further ado, it's a goodbye from myself and for you, Kyle. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, man. And like always here on the World's Team, it's Dallas forever, Philly for never. Forever.